Chapter 16 of No Quarter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. No Quarter by Thomas Maine Reed. Chapter 16. Trouble Anticipated. On return for Hollymead, the hawking party did not pass through Rorden, as it would have been roundabout. Nevertheless, Sir Richard went that way. At a forking of the forest paths, the knight excused himself to the ladies, leaving Ustance Trevor to escort them home, he, with his own servant, turning off towards the village. Some matter of importance must have influenced him to deviate from the direct route, and that it was pressing might be deduced from the speed to which he put his horse. Soon, as parted from the others, he and Hubert made free use of their spurs, going in reckless gallop down the steepest pitches, nor drawing bridle till they had reached Rorden. A small place then, as now of some two hundred houses, contiguous to a fine old church, an ancient holstery up opposite. The streets all declivities, with some scattered dwellings that radiated off into quaint nooks and byways. The clattering hooves had brought faces to every window and figures into every door, for this had been heard long before the two horsemen made their appearance. And now, as these came to a halt in front of the inn, their horses breathing hard, all eyes were bent upon them with inquiring curiosity. "'Wind your horn, Hubert,' commanded the knight in an undertone, without waiting for any one of them to come up. A command which Hubert instantly obeyed by drawing a small cornet from under his doublet, clapping it to his lips, sounding the assembly. He had been troop trumpeter in the army that swore so terribly in Flanders, and so understood the cavalry calls. No cavalry, however, answered this one, nor soldiers of any arm, though it was answered by what looked the right material for making soldiers. Before the cornet's notes had ceased, reverberating from the towers of the church and the walls of the old castle, then in ruins, men could be seen issuing from the doors of the nearer houses, others hastening away along the lanes from those more remote, all making for the spot where the horsemen were halted. In a few seconds, nearly twenty had gathered, up and grouped round the horses, the expression on their faces showing that they understood the signal in a general way, but not the reason for it having been sounded to summon them just then. All looked inquiry, one putting it in the form of speech. What belt, Sir Richard? He who interrogated was a man of gigantic size, inches taller than any of the others but something more than his superior stature privileged him to be the first spokesman, as could be deduced from Sir Richard's answer. A troop coming from Linden, Rob, there through Drybrook, by this, making for Hollymead, you and your friends will no doubt be there too. Curious to see how the soldiers behave themselves. We'll be there for sure, Sir Richard, Rob Wilde, for one, and belikes a good many more. So well, rejoined the good knight, with a satisfied look, then leading over on his saddle, he whispered some words of a confidential character into the ear of the deer-stealer, after which, setting himself straight in the stirrups, he again set his horse into a gallop and rode out of the village as rapidly as he had entered it. "'They are, Mr. Powell. By all signs, it's the party you've been expecting. Indeed, there can be no doubt about its being Wintour's troop. One of the officers at its head we made out to be Master Trevor's cousin, as you've heard, I suppose.' "'Oh, yes.' and their purpose there can be as little doubt. 
to levy for that 3,000 pounds the king fetishously terms loan. A downright robbery, I call it. I, too. What ought I do, Sir Richard? I have the money in the house. I suppose I must give it to them. But if you say the word, I'll refuse. Let me leave the word unsaid till I see what sort of following is after them. There appear to be a good many from Mitchendeen, likely to be joined by more at Drybrook, to say nothing of the contingent from nearer home. Everything must depend on their numbers and the spirit we find them in. I understand, said the other with an assenting nod, and we'll trust all to you. This brief dialogue was at the door of the Holymed house, its owner standing in the porch. Sir Richard, still on horseback, just arrived from that passage at courier speed through Rorden. It ended by his dismounting and giving his horse to Hubert, with directions to take both their animals round to the stable yard, and there keep them under saddle and bride. Some other instructions were delivered to the same sotto voice. Then, to the symphony of clanking spurs, the knight ascended to the porch, and after a few more words exchanged with the master of the house, he passed on into the withdrawing room. His entrance was a welcome intrusion, as the company inside consisted of the awkward number three. And soon they paired, each pair passing into the embayment of a window, and there, taking stand not to talk of love or even think of it, though something equally serious occupied their thoughts, something less agreeable, all were unlike imbued with an instinct of danger drawing nigh, and so close their eyes were now on the alert, apprehensively gazing down the oak-shadowed avenue. A few seconds more, and they saw what they were expecting, horses, plumed hats, and the glancing of armor. A troop outside their park gate halted till its fastenings could be undone. In an instant, it was dashed open, and soldiers seen filling through the same as they had descried at the hill of Drybuck. On came they up the avenue, without making stop, to within fifty yards of the house where they were again brought up at the entrance of the ornamental grounds. These were enclosed by a hee-haw, the causeway which crossed it having a gate also, and while this was being got open, all four, looking from the windows, had now no difficulty in identifying Reginald Trevor in one of the officers at the head of his troop while two of them at the same time recognized the other. "'Why, bless me!' exclaimed the ex-gentleman usher. "'That's Colonel Lunsford!' "'As I live, Tom Lunsford!' was the almost simultaneous explanation of the night. "'Colonel Lunsford?' interrogated Vega, addressing herself to him by her side. "'Tom Lunsford?' in like manner questioned Sabrina, but with more earnestness as she saw Sir Richard's brow suddenly darken. Who and what is he? One of the most notorious, but never mind now. By and by we'll talk of him. Like enough, he'll favor us with a taste of his quality before leaving Hollymead. But, he added, the cloud upon his brow becoming darker, if he do... The knight did not finish what was evidently intended to be a threat, partly because he saw fear coming over the face of his betrothed, and partly that the man for whom his menace was meant had got through the gate, and with Reginald Trevor by his side and the soldiers filling in behind them, was now close up to the house. End of chapter 16